0: For the past few weeks, we have been on a tour of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent, but not just any tent. The tabernacle was God's tent, the place where God chose to dwell among his people, be present in the midst of his people. It was a slice of heaven on earth. This rectangular tent measuring 15 feet wide, 45 feet long, and 15 feet tall consisted of only two rooms, the holy place, which was the first room that you entered, and the most holy place, also called the holy of holies. Now, the tabernacle was a tent because it had to be mobile. The Israelites were not settled. God's people were on the move. They were heading home. It was a home that they had never laid eyes on. But in our passage, they were out in the wilderness out in the desert, at the the foot of a mountain, Mount Sinai, because God had just freed them from slavery. He had broken their bonds, brought them out of Egypt. He had given them the law. And now he was preparing to lead them to their own land, the land he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land of Canaan. But they weren't there yet. The way was long, And so they dwelled in tents and the Lord dwelled with them. Well, Exodus describes the tabernacle. Exodus, the book of Exodus details God's tent from the inside out. And here's what I mean. The description begins in chapter 25 with the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. This was the box that held the Ten Commandments. The cover of the box was the mercy seat made of gold, It consisted of a lid with the images of two cherubim on top. Now, these mysterious angelic beings faced one another with their wings spread out over the ark. This represented the throne of God. The invisible Lord of heaven and earth sat enthroned upon the cherubim with his feet upon the law. The ark was in the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was where, the only, where only the high priest could enter, and even then, only once a year. Then Exodus describes the table and the lamp, the pieces of furniture in the holy place where only the priests could enter. Now, God gives instructions for what is to be in the tabernacle first, in his tent first, and then, and only then, does he describe the tent itself. He gives the dimensions and the materials with which to make it out of. So you see, inside out. Now, perhaps you're wondering why. Now, not not, not why it's described inside out, but, but rather, why are there so many verses on the tabernacle. Why so many details about the tabernacle? Well, the answer is simple. Because it was so important. But really the question is this. Why was the God why was God so specific in his instructions for his tent and the furniture in the tent and the setup of the tent? Why was it so important? And the reason is this. God is telling His people how to worship Him. The details, the acts, the furniture, the setting. God is instructing His people in worship. Why? Because God wants to be worshiped in a particular way. He he wants to be worshiped in a particular manner. In other words, the Lord is particular about worship. Worship is meeting with the living God. And when you meet with God, you are in his presence. You are before his face. And in the very presence of the maker of heaven and earth, before the face of the Lord of all creation, you cannot help but fear him, honor him, praise him, glorify him. The tabernacle is God's tent. And for God's people to meet with Him, to worship, they had to approach His tent. And when they did so, God did not want His people to approach in any way they wanted or worship Him in any way that they saw fit. Now remember, they'd been living in Egypt for over 400 years living in Egypt, surrounded by Egyptian temples, surrounded by Egyptian idols, they had seen how the Egyptians met with their many gods. And God's people may have been tempted to adopt some of their practices or alter some of their practices or even imagine some of their own practices. So the Lord was telling them, instructing them, teaching them the right way to meet with Him, how He wanted them to meet with Him, how He wanted them to worship. Now, our passage today describes the courtyard. This was a large open area surrounding the tabernacle. It was 75 feet wide by 150 feet long. Think four tennis courts. And this courtyard was was. Marked by an eight-foot-high fence. The fence was, was covered so you couldn't see into the courtyard. Now, God's people could not enter the tabernacle. God's people could not enter his tent, but they could gather outside of it. They could gather in the courtyard. They could gather here, close to his throne. And it was here that they could meet with God, here that they could worship the Lord. And only one object was present in the courtyard only one the altar. The altar was the center of worship, it was square. And it was large, seven and a half feet long by seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high. The altar was made of wood. It was covered with bronze. Bronze is a durable metal because the the altar would have frequent use, daily use, hourly use. But this is also outside the tabernacle, inside the tabernacle, inside the tent, everything is gold. The ark, the table, the lamp, the plates, the utensils. The, the The Lord of Heaven and Earth, the King of Heaven, has gold in His dwelling. Outside is bronze. The altar also had four horns projecting out of each of the corners. Now, these these horns on the altar were were ornamental, perhaps symbolic pointing to the animals that were brought to the courtyard. Now, later in the history of God's people, the horns of the altar were used by individuals who were seeking safety. They would grasp the horns on the altar. Now, for example, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1, King David was about to die, and he had yet to appoint a successor to his throne, David's son Adonijah set himself up to be king after his father. However, at the, at the prompting of his wife Bathsheba, David appointed Solomon to rule after him. And when Adonijah found out, he feared for his life, thinking Solomon might kill him to remove a potential threat or a perceived potential threat to the throne. So what does Adonijah do in his fear? He, he goes and he takes hold of the horns of the altar, and he asks the king for mercy. Well, in addition to the altar in the courtyard, there were the bronze pans and the bronze shovels and the bronze bowls and the bronze forks, and on top of the altar was a bronze grate. Now, if it's hard for you to picture, if it's challenging for you to imagine, think very large square grill. Made of bronze with horns. For the altar is where the sacrifice was offered oxen, sheep, goats, doves, bread. Now, depending on the offering, depending on the type of offering, part of the animal or the entire animal would be burned on the altar. A fire was continually burning beneath the altar. Therefore, the shovels and the pans were for collecting ashes and the fork was for turning meat and the bowls were for holding blood. Now, there were five main sacrificial offerings. You can find these in the book of Leviticus. The burnt offering was a general sacrifice For sin, and an entire animal was burned. This was offered by the priests on the altar every morning and every evening. There was a grain offering. This was given at the beginning of harvest. There was a fellowship offering symbolizing reconciliation with God, where where part of the animal was burned and part of the animal was eaten. And finally, there were sin and guilt offerings. Now, with these offerings, an Israelite would bring an animal, an animal without blemish, an animal without defect, either their own, one from their own flock, or one that they had purchased. This made it a sacrifice because there was a cost. And, and and as they entered the courtyard, they would lay hands on the animal, symbolically passing their sins to the animal, symbolically transferring their sins to the animal. And then the animal would be killed. Because this is the punishment for sin. This is what sin deserves. Death. Now, once the animal was slain, its blood was drained and the priests would sprinkle some of the animal's blood on the horns of the altar and the rest would be poured out at the base of the altar and part of that animal would be burned. After all this was said and done, now The Israelite could worship. Now the Israelite could meet with God. Now he could enter his courts with praise and his gates with thanksgiving because the animal died in his place. The animal was a substitute, a life for a life, an atoning sacrifice for sin. For sinful people cannot enter the presence of a holy God. But God desires to meet with his people. And and through the offerings, through the altar, the Lord made a way for his people to be with him, for his people to be near him, to meet with him. Now imagine, imagine what it was like entering the courtyard. Imagine the sights and, and the smells and the sounds the smell of animals, the cries of animals, the blood on the ground, blood in bowls, blood on the priest, blood on the altar, the smell of blood, the smell of death, smoke, roasting meat, and there the altar always burning, always bloody, but never enough, never enough. Day after day after day, year after year after year, sacrifices were made for sin to meet with God. And day after day after day, year after year after year, God's people sinned. They broke the law, broke His commands, keeping them from god separating them from god until jesus he offered himself for sin for your sin on the cross shed his blood on the cross a perfect sacrifice he died in your place, took upon himself your sin. A substitute. And his death is enough. Listen, listen to verse 10 from our Hebrews reading. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. His sacrifice was once, once for all, and it's enough. Through Him, you can meet with God. Through Him, you can be in the presence of the Holy Lord of heaven and earth and worship Him. Through Him, you can enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And it also means that the sacrifices are gone. The sacrifices are no longer needed. The altar is gone. The altar is no longer needed. The tabernacle is gone. The tabernacle is no longer needed. Jesus Christ fulfills them. And they were shadows. Shadows pointing to the light that was to come, the light of the world. Jesus Christ in him, you belong to God. Through him, you are part of his people, the church. And even though the tabernacle is gone, even though the altar is gone, even though the sacrifices are gone, God still wants to be worshiped in a particular way. God is still particular about worship. He, he desires that worship be centered around word and sacrament. Again, worship is meeting with God. It's entering the presence of the living Lord of heaven and earth. And through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, you move through the courtyard, past the altar, into the Holy of Holies. And right here, right now, the Lord is present. He promises to be present in the midst of his people, and he's here. The Father is here through his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And and in our worship, in our worship, we are to hear again and again how we are here. We are to hear again and again why we are here. We are to hear again and again how we are his we are to hear again and again of the once-for-all sacrifice, Jesus. And we hear through the Word, through the Scriptures, through the Bible, the heart of which is Jesus. And likewise, the sacraments and the Lord's Supper, Communion, we do in remembrance of Jesus in remembrance of his death in remembrance of his perfect sacrifice. Baptism points to the washing, the cleansing of sin that Jesus's death gives. This is how the Lord is to be worshipped. Word and sacrament they point to Jesus. They point The Son. And in Him and through Him, we give glory to the Father. We honor the Father, offering our sacrifice of praise through prayer and song. Worship is meeting with God, the triune God, praising the Father in the Spirit through the Son, Jesus Christ, the once for all sacrifice. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi.